Oh, good people and edition of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here for the Props Network. Thank you very much if you're watching live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook. We got a great show for you today. Of course, I'm going to say that, right? Every, every show we have is a quality show, but I'm biased, I know. And I'm even more biased because today, uh, Bo texted me, is like, well, we got a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. And then soon after that, I got the notification that James Harden was traded. So we're going to start the show. We're going to talk about NBA. Then we're going to go to my Fantastic Four. But technically, there are only four games left in the NFL playoffs. So whether it's fantastic or not, it's going to be four games that we're talking about here. All for your viewing and betting pleasure, of course. And with college football season finally ending, I thought it would be... uh, great to have someone who I have a personal connection with, but he's done a great job covering college football for the athletic. None other than Matt Fortuna will be on the show. He is a national college football writer for the athletic. Uh, And he made a confession the other day that uh, we're going to get into with Matt at the bottom of the hour. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to reuniting with him. Maybe we can have him regularly, you know, talk college football anything else he wants to talk about. Little Birdie told me this. All he wants to do is talk about sports, and it's always been that way. So we'll have him on the show, and I'm looking forward to that as well. And a topic that has come up a lot recently is, and really over the course of the last seven or eight months, uh, is the, the bleeding of sports and politics. And once again, in an unfortunate way, it rears its ugly head with the Olympics. And we'll talk about that. And then in, in, in sports you don't care about, we're talking soccer and Dennis Rodman. How do the two of those go together? We'll talk about that later. But first, let's start with the National Basketball Association. That's right, everybody. The big trade, James Harden, has finally... Listen, if there was ever a time to put the headline, Houston... We have a problem. It was yesterday. And if you woke up today and you were like, wait, what? Yeah, Houston has a big problem. But maybe it's a good one. James Harden is traded to the Brooklyn Nets for a boatload of draft picks. A boatload of draft picks that will hopefully reap benefits all the way until the 2027 NBA draft. Now, there was more to that trade that it wasn't just Harden going to the Nets. We had uh, Victor Oladipo. He's now on the Houston Rockets, which is good for him. We had Allen and Karis Levert. They go to... The Pacers and the thing for me is when I look at that, uh, and then I'm sorry, Allen goes to the Cavs, Levert goes to the Pacers. I like the Karis Levert move, and I'm also interested to see if there's any extra motivation from Victor Oladipo, from John Wall, 
from DeMarcus Cousins as they are the big three. They're the big three in Houston, and all three of those players are coming off of major injuries that have caused setbacks for them over the past two years. And for me, that adds to why Houston may have a problem, but it could be a good problem. If the players stay healthy, then it's no longer a problem. If they can somehow gel well, then maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing for Houston because Westbrook didn't want to be there. Harden didn't want to be there. And I'll get into the professionalism of James Harden in a little bit. When I look at the Nets, this is the second time that the Nets have traded away the future for the present, trying to chase a championship. Of course, last time it was an old Paul Pierce and an old Kevin Garnett, and it didn't work out for the Nets. Worked out great for the Celtics. It's another reason why it may work out great for Houston if they can draft properly, because the Celtics are set for what? The next five to seven years? And he had the right coach? I don't know if Steven Silas is the next Brad Stevens. At least they share a name first and last, but it remains to be seen what will happen there. Before the Nets, they keep Joe Harris, a three-point shooter. Now they get to pair a big three in the East in, well, remember they wanted to try to get Bradley Beal. Now they get Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. The interesting thing for me is I feel like, in my mind, this hurts Kevin Durant. Why does it hurt Kevin Durant? Maybe he doesn't care about it. As he's shown over time, you know, he seems to have become more surly or have a chip on the shoulder about how people say, oh, well, you know, you should have, you needed to try to win the championship on your own to be you know, the head honcho, so to speak. But instead, you know, you had Clay, you had Draymond, you had Steph Curry. Well, in Brooklyn, now that you've added Harden, in my mind, that's going to come up again. If you were to win, okay, you won. But you won because you added Harden. I mean, look at the Nets. They're one game over 500 right now. Kyrie Irving, who knows what's up with him? I could read a million things about, oh, this is an issue for him. Maybe he can't. I mean, for all of the, hey, I'm spraying sage and burning sage around the arena and something's going on with him. Something's going on with him. Now, granted, with the contact tracing with the 76ers, he was smart maybe to sit out that game. But that one game ended up being, what, are we at three more games he's been sitting out? And Steve Nash has been mum about what's going on with him? For KD, if you just had Kyrie Irving, then maybe you can still have that 
the storyline of your legacy with the Nets is, yeah, KD led the Nets to a championship. But now that you added, added Harden, I think it just becomes more of a team. And that's okay. That's okay. I guess you don't necessarily have to say he chased a championship. But in his mind, I guess for the Nets, they said, we need to add another piece. Now, granted, maybe now it became more urgent because of the simple fact that you did not have, you didn't know what Kyrie Irving's going to do. That's a possibility as well. Maybe Kyrie Irving gets moved because you don't know what's in his head. But when you go into the West, you say, well, the Lakers only have two. They don't need a big three. They have LeBron and Anthony Davis and the proper supporting cast around them to win the championship. We don't need three. We got two. And one of them happens to be the greatest possibly of all time by the time he's done with his career in LeBron James. DeMarcus Cousins not happy with Harden. You know, Harden over the last three games in Houston only averaged 17 points, wasn't playing defense, wasn't, you know, wasn't getting back on defense, fast breaks. He wasn't the same Harden. I side with Cousins on that. Hey, it's time to purge him out of here. That was very unprofessional of James Harden. And maybe part of that is a whole guaranteed contract for Harden. It's like, well, I'm getting my money either way, so I'm just not going to play for Houston. I don't need to. I'm going to force their hand to get rid of me, and that's the way it's going to be. And that's what he did. So Cousins isn't happy, but maybe now they'll have a better nucleus. Those picks that Houston received that stretch all the way till 2027, who knows what kind of players they'll be able to get with them. That is a part of why it's important to have the proper front office to draft well. But we won't see the full benefits of that maybe for another seven or eight years where we can look back on this trade, similar to how the Celtics got all those picks with the Nets again. And then I was going all the way back to football. This is like a Herschel Walker deal. Remember when he went to Minnesota and Dallas got all of those picks and then they won what? I think two Super Bowls off of those picks. We'll see if that does it for the Nets, but more so in the media future for the Nets and more so in the future for the Rockets. The Lakers to me are the big winners. Nobody in the East can contend with them. To me, if the Lakers don't make it to the NBA championship, it will be an upset. If the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Suns can upset the reigning champions. Those are my thoughts. Then, of course, when we go to the futures of the NBA, and we look at who's going to be the NBA champion. The favorite's still the Lakers, but now, now the Nets have moved up to plus 300. I think I I picked the Nets. I said they were a good sleeper at plus 600. Now they're plus 300. They jumped over the Los Angeles Clippers, rightfully so in my mind. I still don't think the Clippers are right. And the Nets are better than the Milwaukee Bucks. I will still say, when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, when you let Malcolm Brogdon go, that was the end for the Bucks. I love that they kept Giannis, locked him up. But when I look at the rest of that team, I don't see a champion there. 
I don't. And that's with Chris Middleton. I just don't see a champion. Maybe Drew Holiday can do something? Possibly. Possibly. The Bucks are 8-4. and four. They're a good team. I don't want to totally discredit them. But the Nets definitely deserve to jump over them. 76ers, still in my mind, a good pick at plus 1,600. But, but, they don't have a big three. They are 8-4 and four as well. Boston Celtics, 7-3. and three. But for those of us who are following it from a betting perspective, the Celtics are plus 1,800. I'm not going to act like I've been in this space for a long time. I have followed it from, from the periphery. But in many ways, when these favorites are set, it's almost a lock. It's almost a lock. You're crossing your fingers if you think, ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and, you know, be able to uh, get one of these sleepers to, to come through. But, okay. That's my take. I think in the end, the Lakers are the big winner on the trade. I'd be curious what you think. Of course, you can join the chat if you would like. We can talk futures as I am now. Rookie of the year. LaMelo Ball looks good. He looks good. Youngest player ever to get a triple-double the other night. Minus 200 for rookie of the year. Tyrese Halliburton is plus 350. James Wiseman's plus 900. I said my sleeper at the beginning of the season was Obi Toppin at plus, I think I got him at plus 600. Now he's down to plus 2,000. Anthony Edwards has come up to plus 1,000. So it's been some shifting, but LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball is playing out as he should be, as he should be. Now, the next thing is on his brother's side, Lonzo Ball and the New Orleans Pelicans. What's going to happen there? As we look at the contact tracing, the New Orleans Pelicans are four and six. I think we all thought they would be better than that this year. Something's not right. Something is not right with that team. They were supposed to have a young nucleus of Zion, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. A young big three. And it just hasn't come to fruition for them. And I don't know what's going to happen there. But what none of us know is what's going to happen with this contract tracing. Not a big fan. Not a big fan of the contact tracing because the NBA is the sport where, yeah, the players are going to get very close to each other. They're not wearing long sleeve uniforms, if you, if you will, in baseball if they wanted to. In football, they could wear long sleeve uniforms. Hockey, they're definitely wearing uh, long sleeves. Basketball, a lot of just flesh on flesh, right? I don't think the contact tracing, the health and safety protocols that the NBA has set forth will survive even under these new guidelines. Cutting down the activities outside the team environment over the next two weeks. The meetings. They got to be cut down to 10 minutes. You're going to just have Zoom meetings and just call it a day. 
You might as well just play video games at this point because I don't know. I think you're going to end up having team planes, two team planes, maybe the 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 front office staff and other staff members of the team, which included me with the Wizards. Maybe we can't be on the same plane if they've got to spread out even more. Or you need those old school planes where there was like a upstairs for the first class. Maybe we got to bring those planes in for the NBA players. I mean, the whole game day, you gotta, you can't arrive three hours before tip-off. Okay. Face masks on the bench at all times. The one that gets me is the, hey, after the game, let's try not to do the, the getting close together. You can do maybe a fist bump or elbow bump, but come on. To me, that's just ridiculous. The players are already arm in arm when they're fighting for a rebound, when they're getting in position to get the ball off of a missed free throw on a contested shot. Come on, what are we talking about here? But then, oh, but after the game, you don't get too close. No, they've been breathing on each other for four quarters, 48 minutes. What are you talking about? It's ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense. And not in any way to say that there is a better plan I just think in the end, the contact tracing is the part that's hurting the NBA. Okay, I guess maybe you could say don't hug, but you're getting nitpicky if you're like after a made free throw, you can't high five your teammate. No tap of your teammate. Good, we, glad you made the free throw. I mean, it's ridiculous anyway. I mean, it's professional. They should be making the free throws. But I just think that's nitpicking. But I guess they're trying to find whatever little way they can do to fix it. I don't know. I don't know. I tell you what's not going to be fixed is what ails me with the National Football League. Both of my family teams are done. No Steelers, no Washington football team. And we'll get to that next, right after this short read. You got to get the Props Network. It's where you need to go before you make your bets. You have to. You have to. If you're located in a state with legal online sports betting, don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. Thepropsnetwork.com has you covered with free bet special bonus deals from all the top U.S. online sports books. But it's also where smart bettors and new players go before the sports book. Right? You go to PropsNetwork.com, we can get you to the sports book. Why? Because the Props Network has a few things that all bettors need. Exclusive sign-up bonuses, you need that. Reporting on weekly promos, free betting picks. It's like an aggregate, right? You know, when you're picking your, your flight, maybe you go to a kayak now. Well, think about that. Now that's how you go to Props Network. You can see all the different bets in the futures and prop bets that's where you go and it's had it has live odds comparisons for every game a visit to the props network.com before placing a bet guarantees that you'll be wagering with the best available bonus and getting the biggest possible payout if your bets hit or your bet hits either one maybe it's one place one we'll still go to props network we can help you with that Props Network isn't just another bonus site. You also get some great content. Hopefully you're enjoying Just for Sport, The Walk-On with Joe Walkowski, 
NBA picks and props with Dexter Henry in the game. You can follow the Props Network on social media, YouTube, and Twitch for updates all week from me and the rest of the Props Network team. Get ready to bet with the Props Network today. You must be 21 or over to bet online. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we got the National Football League. A lot of stuff going on off the field. Jaguars talking about getting Urban Meyer as their next head coach. Lions agreeing to a term on Brad Holmes as the next GM. Steelers parting ways with their offensive coordinator and two assistants. Eagles want to interview the Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, after they fired Doug Peterson. Now, I will say, I mean, the Cowboys offense without Dak Prescott, I don't know, but they're going to do it. They're going to do it. We got four games, Rams at Packers, Ravens at Bills, Browns at Chiefs, Bucks at Saints. Now, what do I like as I go to the PropsNetwork.com? You can see all of the odds. The Rams at Packers opened at minus seven and a half. You can now get that at minus six and a half. Just off the jump, I feel like uh, I am going to take the Packers. Initially, I think Packers, I think when I look at the Rams, um, I think they played whether, well, better or looked better because they were playing the Seattle Seahawks, a team that they know like the back of their hand. It's the Seahawks. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it coaches me. They're like, yep, yep, playing the Seahawks again. We got it. Packers, I don't know, not so much. Not so much. And you got Aaron Rodgers. slightly above Russell Westbrook in some people's eyes. Maybe a lot. Aaron Rodgers, great. Ravens at Bills. That game is at 8-15. Boy. Um, Let's see here. The Bills, it opened at minus 2.5. Now it's at minus 3. You can get at 2.5 still on FanDuel. Boy, I don't know. In my mind, if I look at this game, it is in Buffalo. Buffalo's 11 and 6 against the spread on the season. Baltimore was 11 5 and 1 against the spread on the season. I look at Baltimore as a team who they overcame a lot with COVID. Lamar Jackson wasn't the same. They hadn't won a playoff game with Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback, and then look what they did. Look what they did. They got their monkey off their back last week, and now they're playing a a tough team, a high-scoring team in Buffalo. My initial thought is I'm taking Buffalo at minus three. That's who I got. Browns at the Chiefs. We can just fast forward over this game. The Chiefs are going to win this. I'd even take them at minus 10. I would. If you say, well, why would you do that? I don't know if the Cleveland Browns are ready for this team. If you're looking at And the Chiefs do have some, uh, they're not very 
good against the spread. Even if you want to say they haven't looked great. I think when you look at the Browns and you're saying, oh, well, look at what they did against Pittsburgh. I just want to remind you, just like I brought up with why you think the Rams looked good against Seattle. The Browns look good because not only have they already played the Steelers twice this season, but they just played them in week 17 and then played them again in the wild card game. There was some momentum there for Cleveland. Now a contend, maybe they shouldn't have rested Ben Roethlisberger in week 17. Maybe some of that momentum that they needed to get going into the wild card game for the Steelers, they didn't have because Ben Roethlisberger maybe was a little rusty. Four INTs, that's a possibility. But I think when you look at what happened with that game with the Steelers, I mean, come on, the the snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head to start the game, that game was to me an aberration. Throw it out the window. Stop thinking of Cleveland as being this amazing juggernaut now. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I believe it. The Chiefs did not do good against the spread. I got to admit that. Got to say that. They were 6-9-1 against the spread. But here's the thing. Even if you want to talk about that, guess who else didn't have a good record against the spread this season? The Cleveland Browns at 7-10. Including the playoffs, I mean, obviously. So that's my take on that game. Buccaneers at Saints, the best game of the NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend. These two teams, so really, if you think about it, three of the four games are teams that have played each other twice in the regular season and meeting again in the playoffs. The spread opened at minus three and a half for the Saints. You can now get it at minus three across the board at DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet Rivers, and Unibet. That game is at 640 on Fox. And if I didn't say, if you didn't know what I was saying, I'm taking Kansas City at minus 10. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the Bills at minus three and the Packers at minus six and a half. Too many home teams? Maybe. Because this Buccaneers at Saints game, the Saints are 10-6-1 against the spread. Buccaneers are 9-8 against the spread. The first game of the season, I'll give it to Tampa Bay, it was their first game. The Saints jumped out to an early lead. The Bucs made it a little closer. But that second game, oh boy, 38-3? That was rough. Hey, Bo. Put, I mean, with when you're looking at a game last week like the Rams and the Seahawks, or the Browns and the Steelers, or this week with Tampa Bay and New Orleans, do you put any merit to the fact that it's hard to beat a team three times? I do. That for New Orleans, that it's hard to beat 
the Buccaneers three times. But at the same time, I feel like in this case, um, the history, the rivalry between the Browns and Steelers is huge. The rivalry between the Rams and Seahawks is huge. But also when you think about the players that are integral to that team, the new player in this is Tom Brady. And that's where I kind of look at this game and I'm just thinking, uh, I don't know if that's the case in this game. I think it's, and I love the little meme or image going around the History Channel and it shows a even older Tom Brady and an even older uh, Drew Brees. But these teams are fairly even. The Saints offense is 12th. Buccaneers offense is 7th. Buccaneers defense is 6th. Saints defense is 4th. Passing is better for the Bucs. Rushing is better for the Saints. I think with this, if this game was in Tampa, I would say maybe you give them a little more uh, leeway. But Drew Brees, okay, he's 2-0 against Tom Brady as a Buccaneer. But he's 5-2 overall. He can beat Tom Brady. His record is 5-2, the best record of any quarterback against Tom Brady. Tom Brady's passer rating is below 80 in three games a season. Guess who two of them were against? The New Orleans Saints. I think that overall in this game, boy, I don't know how you don't pick the Saints. Now, the Buccaneers have allowed the fewest rushing yards per game and rushing TDs in the NFL this season. So if you look at Alvin Kamara and the going up against the Bucs defense, I don't even know if Alvin Kamara is 100%. That's the part that I look at this game and say, Jamoke, what's, what's wrong with you? Are you literally going to pick all of the four home teams? It's bizarre, but I feel like I am. I feel like I am. And I don't think I'm wrong about that. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk college football. The season's over. We're going to do a little uh, wrap-up with the Athletics' Matt Fortuna on the other side of the break. We got to read Are you located in a state with legal online sports betting? Don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. Thepropsnetwork.com has you covered with free bets and special bonus deals from all the top U.S. online sportsbooks. Get $30 in free bets and up to a $600 free bet at Unibet. Or you can claim up to $1,000 signing bonus bundle for DraftKings Sportsbook. Or try PointsBet Sportsbook with four risk-free bets totaling up to $1,000 using promo code BONUSPROPS. The Props Network is also the only 
betting news site with live NFL odds. And you're going to need it this Sunday and Saturday and Sunday for every game. Live NFL odds on the PropsNetwork.com. So you can shop the comps and know you are getting the best and biggest payout possible before you lock in your bet. Do your bankroll a favor and check out the PropsNetwork.com. You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. So we're talking college football. I'm excited to talk college football. With a good friend in Matt Fortuna. Hi, Matt. How you doing? From The Athletic. I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. And you know what? I, I owe you something because I have known you were doing college football. I was envious when you were covering Notre Dame because before I went to Pitt, that was my favorite. I, I followed Notre Dame forever. It's my most fondest memory of going up to Notre Dame when I was doing a show at University of Pittsburgh and being in that end zone as the players run past you. And I'm just like, I'm, this is just amazing. It's just South Bend's amazing. But now you're coloring, co- covering college football on a national level. And I saw your tweet the other day where you had to had to confess that you were one of the only writers who picked the Heisman and you didn't choose Devonta Smith. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm glad you're on the show. Tell me why you didn't pick him. Well, there are actually 480 of us who didn't put him number one. <laughs> uh, and with the way that game was going in the first half, I thought he was going to finish with 480 receiving yards as a, as a screw you <laughs> to me and my colleagues who made the mistake of not voting him number one. I had him number two. I had Mac Jones number three. I had Trevor Lawrence number one. Now, people forget Heisman, like every other MVP award in all professional and college sports, is a regular season award. Our ballots were due – uh, before the playoff after conference championship weekend. And uh, maybe I was a little too close to the sun, uh, but but seeing the way Clemson moved the ball and, and looked differently against Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence versus how they looked without him, uh, that to me told me Trevor Lawrence was the best player in the country. I, I would even say I regret it. I think, honestly, this year there were five people, uh, I think the, the top five vote-getters, any one of those guys, from Najee Harris to Kyle Trask, uh, would have been worthy of being number one this year. I don't think in the regular season, and not to take away from Devontae Smith, but I don't think it was as clear cut as years past where it was Joe Burrow or nothing. It was Kyler Murray or nothing. It was Baker Mayfield or nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I think there were uh, so many great players this year that would have been justified taking home first place after the regular season. Now, after the two playoff games, there was no doubt in anyone's mind who the best player <laughs> in the country was. Devontae Smith won MVP. Uh, by playing just one half. And that sounds crazy, but you know what? His teammate, Tua Tagovailoa did that two years ago, or three years ago, by playing only the second half in the national title game and winning offensive MOP honors. So uh, that Alabama program is something special, and I think we are reminded of that on Monday night. I am surprised after it was announced that Smith won, Trevor Lawrence has never won it. How is that possible that he's going to go down as probably, what, the number one pick, maybe the greatest quarterback at Clemson, and he does not have a Heisman that he can put on his uh, trophy or mantle, whatever. Yeah, and no Clemson players ever won it. Deshaun Watson never won it either. And, and that's why I think when you're looking ahead to, to futures for 2021, maybe the next guy in line, the next five-star quarterback, DJ Uyangalale, who had a terrific performance uh, in his second start against Notre Dame this year, maybe he's the guy who breaks that Heisman curse, if you will, for Clemson. But, you know, it, 
it's such a unique award, right? I mean, Tua never won it. And he was a guy who was an absolute game changer for Alabama with everything he was able to do during his time in Tuscaloosa. Um, people will point at me and others and say, oh, you voted for Trevor because you wanted it to be a career award. And no, that's not the case. I mean, obviously he had a phenomenal career, but uh, I, I thought watching the regular season and particularly, again, that ACC title game against Notre Dame, it was hard not to come out of that game thinking, you know, we just watched the best player in the country. I mean, they, they lost Notre Dame without him. And they did whatever they want on offense with him. And in my mind, I have argued about this for the last three weeks. Should we change the Heisman to be voted on after the national championship? Would you sign off on that if they asked you to vote as writers on that? I would not be against it. I just think it's kind of funny. And this speaks to the postseason structure, right, in college football. We only have this discussion about college football. No one says – oh, in the NBA or the NFL, we should vote on the MVP after the playoffs. Because you know what? LeBron James will win it every darn year. Yeah. Uh, you know, whoever wins the Super Bowl, Tom Brady, will win it every darn year. And uh, look, I don't I don't have a counter argument for what you're saying. If they want to make that the case, yeah, I think it would be easier to determine who the best player in the country is after every single game is played. But we can only vote off what we've seen so far, right? And that's the regular season games. And, and that's why you end up with cases where – uh, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson didn't deserve the Heisman in 2016, but Deshaun Watson probably would have gotten it if you we were voting on it after the championship game that year because he led Clemson to the title. So uh, it, it's a unique sport, right? I mean, they only started counting bowl stats as full uh, career statistics a few years ago. Barry Sanders is rushing stats. You need to go back and do it the math yourself, right, to, to account for what he did during bowl season. But um, I, I wouldn't argue against it if people wanted to vote after the playoff was done. I just think it's kind of ironic that college football is the one sport where this is such a dominant talking point. Uh, speaking of talking points, um, I was surprised the day after uh, the Heisman was awarded, you can go on to Devontae Smith and you go on – uh any of the betting sites and they already have the heisman trophy winner for 2021 listed uh do you have a favorite that you think will win it right now spencer rattler is at plus 300 bryce young plus 400 and uh dj you say his name i i need a moment <laughs> we galele did i say it right no, not even close, but it's okay. Everyone will know his name soon enough, so we'll, we'll get used to it. Ui Angalale. Ui Angalale. Close enough, yeah. Okay. All right. Who's your favorite? You know, the most fascinating part of this race to me is you look at the last three years, the winners, Devontae Smith, uh, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray before that. None of those guys were even top 10 in the preseason odds. Two of them I don't even think you could find money on or, or, or a betting line on with Joe Burrow and Devontae Smith. So I, I think you need to expand your, your horizons, if you will, if you really want to sit down and, and try to make some money here and, and think about who's a guy that we don't know about who could end up taking home this trophy next year. That said, Spencer Rattler, I think, is favorite for a reason. Um, Lincoln Riley is the quarterback whisperer in Norman. And even before Lincoln Riley was there, Oklahoma was always putting guys in New York as Heisman finalists. Uh, so, so I think that is a, a safe bet if you're looking for a guy who is probably going to at least get to New York next year. When you look at how Spencer Rattler and that Oklahoma offense played this year after that Texas game that went to four overtimes, it was like two different teams. And this is a guy who's coming off a redshirt freshman season. He's the first homegrown quarterback that Lincoln Riley will have had in Oklahoma. And again, 
the other guys before him, Jalen Hurts from Alabama, uh, Kyler Murray from Texas A&M, Baker Mayfield from Texas Tech, all those guys won or finished second place in the Heisman Trophy voting uh, after playing for Lincoln Riley for a couple of years. So, uh, or Jalen Hurts' case for one year. So I think Spencer Rattler is a, a very uh, easy guy to look at and peg to be a finalist in New York next year. But if you want to look beyond that, uh, maybe Bryce Young at Alabama, a guy who would probably be succeeding Mac Jones, assuming he doesn't come back. Maybe John Mechie at Alabama, uh, mm. a receiver who will be getting more targets this year uh, with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell gone. I mean, you look at that Alabama offense, uh, it's hard not to look at them and think, you know, they're going to have a couple guys who are going to be candidates next year just based on the way they've played the last couple of years. So uh, I think there's no shortage of guys to look at, but Spencer Rattler is the safe pick right now. John Mechie is at plus 8,000. So uh, if you think that Matt Fortuna knows what he's talking about, make the pick now because at plus 8,000, if that comes through next year, you are going to have to send Matt Fortuna, find his email address to The Athletic, tweet at him, whatever. You're going to owe him a gift, a big gift if that comes through. That's amazing. Uh, for the college football playoff, are you – I feel like I'm getting tired of Alabama. They win it every year. They're favored at plus 300 to win it in the in 2022. Can another team be better than them? Or Nick Saban is just, he's the Bill Belichick of college football. And it'll just be that way until he decides he's done. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, you look at the ratings for Monday night. It was the lowest rated championship game since 2005. And that was surprising to me for the simple fact that I think you had two of the three biggest brands in college football outside of Notre Dame. You've got Ohio State and Alabama. And maybe it's because the game's so late in the calendar now, so far mm -hmm. after New Year's Day. Maybe it's Alabama fatigue, like you said. But you know, it does seem like after New Year's Day, after the semifinals, national interest in the sport just kind of disappears unless you're a fan of one of the two teams still alive for the championship. So uh, I, I don't think you're wrong. I also think Look, Nick Saban is the greatest to ever do it. I felt that way before Monday night. I think it even more so after Monday night. And they're not slowing down. I mean, they're going to be as good as ever in the years coming. They have the number one recruiting class again coming after graduating. was might be the greatest recruiting class of all time when you look at what that 2017 class was able to accomplish with two national championships. Uh, there's no slowing the tide down. Now, maybe next year in a normal year uh, with bigger schedules, uh, maybe they get tripped up. Maybe the SEC is better. Maybe Texas A&M takes another step after losing just one game this year. Maybe Clemson uh, is a more uh, well-rounded team and better on defense and finds themselves in that picture again. Uh, so I think there are only so many teams that are even capable of winning a national championship in the playoff era because you have to win two, in most cases, three really tough games in a row to to, to win it all. And I, you know, I think you could win one of those games if you're from off the beaten path. I don't think you could win two or three of them. So I think you're, again, looking at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Uh, if you're looking for someone who hasn't won it before, you got to look at the recruiting rankings, right, and look at one of those talented teams that's due for a breakthrough. Georgia, maybe Oklahoma, maybe Texas A&M. But it's a very small list. It's not like the Heisman where you could pick a dark horse and maybe you'll win it. Like there, mm -hmm. There's maybe five, six, seven teams that are even capable, I think, of winning a national championship in college football in 2021. I think of Texas A&M at plus 3,300. Jimbo Fishers, you know, he was upset that he wasn't in the college, that his team wasn't in the college football championship. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder. Maybe that's a sleeper pick you can take. Um, when you are, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about your career, and especially in this year, when you're covering college football uh, in the past, how hard was it for you to 
follow these teams and get storylines and interviews and things with the COVID restrictions. Uh, just talk about what you went through this year. You're looking at where I've sat pretty much the last six months, right? I mean, this is the lab. Um, I worked from home to begin with, but I also traveled a lot and there was no travel this year. And even if you went to games, there were no in-person interviews. It was all on Zoom. So you, you're pretty much useless, right? You, you could get as much done at home as you could if you were traveling. Um, I think we all learned to be much more efficient because I could be in a press conference today in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Los Angeles, California, and South Bend, Indiana, all like that. You know, mm -hmm. I could talk to so many different people. Uh, the problem from a competitive standpoint is everyone else can do that too, right? So uh, what I like to think is my bread and butter, what I like to do well as a, a writer for a subscription site, the reason I want you to pay to read my work is because I'm going to be de developing relationships that you're not going to see at other uh, other outlets. And you only do that with in-person uh, meetings, with, with going to conventions, with going to games, going to practices, handing your business card out and, and developing relationships person to person. I mean, I think we've learned through the past year or so we can do so much virtually and that's great. But at the end of the day, this is still a, a person to person relationship business and you're going to get the best stories you possibly can get through those one on one relationships. And so I'm looking forward, like everyone else, to getting back to normal whenever or whatever that may look like. Uh, but, but for now, uh, I feel like I'm doing more than ever in some ways because you know, when you your office is right here, when you have everyone coming to you post game, I mean, I, I didn't have to be in Miami Monday night to get on Nick Saban and Ryan Day's press conferences. I could just click right in from the comforts of my, my home office here. It, it's very, very different. Uh, and you're able to be much, much more efficient. So you, you learn some things, you take some pauses from that. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to getting back and meeting these guys face to face. And you're a part of the College uh, Football Writers Association, right? Yes, the uh, the FWAA. I was the president uh, last year, pre-pandemic. So I got out of there just in time. <laughs> <laughs> How, what are you doing as an association should schools or, or conferences say, hey, we want to keep it this way permanently. I mean, how are you fighting that? Or, or, or is there a good kind of discussion amongst the conferences, the NCA, to ensure that this isn't something that becomes a norm? Absolutely. There's a, a healthy discussion because I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here when I say uh, media access pre-pandemic was already being pulled back a lot. You saw so many of these schools using in-house media or wrapping their players in bubble wrap and and not allowing them to, uh, I don't want to say promote themselves, but but to, to reveal themselves, so to speak, to, to, to strangers like me and you who, who would be interviewing them. I, I think we're all on the same page in the sense that uh, we want to help each other. I want to help players tell their stories, and I think I'm well equipped to do that. I want those players and, and those schools to trust me uh, based on my reputation and my career to, to allow them to pre present themselves in a fair and clear manner. Uh, I also think uh, whatever normalcy returns, and I use that term very vaguely, um, we're going to be entering a different world, right? I mean, so much change has happened in this world from uh, a player empowerment standpoint, from a social justice standpoint. Uh, everyone was disconnected this summer because we we're all working from home. And by we, I mean players, coaches, media, uh, athletic directors, you name it. Uh, I felt bad for PR staffs that weren't under the same roof of the people they were serving because they were learning about opinions and stories from Twitter because that was the only outlet that I think a lot of people had. And so mm -hmm. I think... Once we're all able to get under the same roof together again, uh, it's going to be in everyone's best interest to try to work together because 
Um, as we saw this year, especially with the We Want to Play movement, with the social justice movement, with any number of movements that went on in sports and in this country, a lot of players have a lot of thoughts and a lot of valuable thoughts. And it's in everyone's best interest that everyone can get on the same page and uh, present those thoughts in a, a professional manner, if you will, so that we're not all scrambling and figuring out what's going on due to someone tweeting or posting on Instagram. So mm -hmm. I, I think in some ways this year validated uh, the purposes of our jobs and the purposes of of uh, what they want to get out of, of talking to us. When you, um, I see you had the, I love New York more than ever. Um, you, you don't have to cover college football for a little bit. Do you get a bit of a break? Can you focus on the NFL at all and enjoy the playoffs and see some of the players you covered in college now on the next level? A little bit for sure. I mean, it's been interesting talking to coaches since the season ended. I'm like, oh, you finally get a break now? They're like, no, the NCAA gave everyone an extra year of eligibility and they're all putting their names in the transfer portal. So it's our job to re-recruit guys or to recruit other guys. So uh, you know, I need to monitor that as much as possible, but it's absolutely a 12-month sport right now. So you need to uh, delegate your time as best as possible. I mean, if I go the next year without taking a vacation after working six months straight from this desk you see behind me, uh, I'll go stir crazy, just like everyone else in the country. So you need to give your, yourself a mental health break. Whenever we're allowed to travel again, I'm looking forward to a vacation. Uh, but, but you know, I, I will be kicking back this weekend like everyone else, watching the NFL playoffs and, you know, having a virtual Super Bowl party in a couple of weeks and enjoying the big game. In our chat, Brittany Zamora said, the athletic is awesome. Great conversation with Matt. I really appreciate you, it. Um, so, uh, of course, we do have a history. My favorite boss uh, is the one who brought you and your little brother to our offices. And I felt like... Um, I knew that one, if not both of you, would go into sports. And uh, so I said, well, give me a story about Matt. And your aunt, I won't say her name, said that when you were a kid, you knew more than your neighbor's dad. So they knew when Matt was coming around, they had to like catch up on sports because you were going to talk to ear off. And you were going to drill them because you expected them to know more. Does anybody know more than you about sports, Matt? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I was quizzing you guys when I was going to WGN as a six-year-old. Uh, we were talking WWF back then. I don't know if we were talking college football. But, um, I hope so. I mean, the world's changing. The game's changing. Um, if Nick Saban can evolve, right, there's no excuse for the rest of us to get lazy. Uh, there's always more information and more stories out there to tell. And, you know, that's what, what gets me out of bed every morning. I look forward to doing that. Uh, do you have a, as we get you out of here, do you have a favorite player over the course of your career or favorite school that, you know, maybe you just fell in love with just from having covered them that now it's maybe turned into a friendship off, you know, off the record? You know, it's hard to, to narrow it down to just one. And again, that's what I miss the most about doing my job under normal circumstances, again, to meet these guys, again, to tell them, tell their stories and again, to develop, you know, friendships with them after they graduate. And, you know, I, I co-host a, a Notre Dame football podcast called the Shamrock with Pete Sampson and uh, any number of guests, if anyone here has been listening or, or wants to listen, uh, those are all for the most part, former players, former coaches at Notre Dame that we got to know on a, a real personal level throughout our time covering them and have kept on with those relationships um, in the years since. So, uh, th there have been no shortage of, of pros, and I don't mean that in NFL terms. I mean in personality terms, 
who have come through Notre Dame that I've been fortunate enough to, to build relationships with and develop relationships with over uh, the course of several years. Another one, I, you know, one of my favorite stories to tell, and I, I, I'm not really in touch with him. I don't know him that well. He's still in Tampa Bay right now, I believe. Dakota Dixon from Wisconsin, uh, their safety, uh, is one of the most incredible backgrounds and stories and personalities I think I've ever told ever will tell or help tell. Uh, you know, a guy who, who had been through so much uh, from, from poverty to foster homes to health issues. Um, I, I covered him at the Orange Bowl in 2017, and he was from South Florida, and he was able to reconnect with his mother, who he hadn't seen in 15 years when he was down there. And again, to help tell his story and to, to see all the initiatives he's taken in his personal life uh, with the stigma around mental health to help his mother and others like him has it, been really touching and really influential. And you know, again, those are the stories that when you peel back the stats, when you peel back what happens on Saturdays or Sundays, uh, you really get to know these guys underneath the helmets and the shoulder pads. And there are a lot of special people out there. And I feel I consider myself privileged to, to, to be a small part in helping them uh, tell their stories on a national level. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully you can enjoy, well, although it's not with the Bears, but you can enjoy the NFL and get ready for baseball. And as you said, it doesn't stop. So you'll be still covering college football. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Matt Fortuna of The Athletic, national college football writer. Uh, he hosts a podcast, The Shamrock, on Notre Dame football. Really appreciate him coming on the show. Notre Dame, plus 4,000 to win the national championship next year. That is definitely a long shot. All right. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show here. We're going to talk some college basketball with with Bo. Bo knows college basketball. Then I got my devil's advocate and sports you don't care about. The first three. BetMGM is the new online sportsbook that is taking over the online betting nation. Not only does BetMGM have some of the best odds on all the major sports, but they also offer some of the industry's strongest weekly promos. This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more any live NFL game. You've got four of them, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Or you can get up to $100 in free bets in the free-to-play Pick three first touchdown NFL challenge. But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM is a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTFOR20 to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. Just enter the code JUSTFOR20 and up to $500 bonus made for you. must be 21 over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call one 800 Today. So we just finished talking college football with Matt Fortuna of the Athletic. Now we're going to skip over to college basketball with Bo. First, first thing I want to bring up is yesterday my daily pick was Texas to beat Texas Tech. Take Texas at minus two. They end up losing the game. And I was surprised because, Bo, I didn't give enough credit to Mac McClung. I saw him with Georgetown, too. I saw him yeah. on the Hoyas. I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, Texas is at home. Okay, they had a tough time against West Virginia, but they're back at home. Their defense is just as good as Texas Tech's. And yet, and yet they lost the game by two, 79 to 77. 
What happened? Did you get to check out that game? Oh, you better believe I did. I mean, that game was just everything that you wanted. Texas, you were looking good for the majority of that game. You know, they had control of that, I think, for the better part of the first half. And then Texas Tech, Mac McClung, they woke up in the second half. Texas had a little bit of a slow start. But even down the stretch, the Longhorns looked competitive. But, I mean, what a play by Mac McClung there with 2.2 seconds left on the clock. Uh, it turned into a two. His foot was on the line. But still an impressive step-back shot over the defender. It was not an easy shot. It was not a clean shot. But McClung stepped up and, and hit it. And it's a big win for Texas Tech. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Big 12 being right up there with the Big 10 in terms of the most competitive college basketball conference this season. That's a big win for the Red Raiders and Chris Beard going forward. I just couldn't believe it. And as I'm making my daily picks, it was a big shot by Mac McClung. I mean, you know, in my mind, I felt like um, I don't remember who was the defender, but I, I, to, in my mind, he gave him too much space. Like, yeah. I know the game is tied, yeah, but he, I he gave him that much space. That's the thing. Like, he, gave, he gave him a little bit of space, but McClung just hit a, a very it was a, dirty step back. It was an amazing shot. And I just, wow, just didn't see it. But I'm trying not to pick the easy games. You know, I, I want to pick. I want to pick hard games, and I thought I had that one. Scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make money. Uh, the next big game that I'm eyeing, uh, as I'm always looking at top 25 matchups, which is probably my mistake that I always want to look at. Oh, what? Are, who are the two top teams that are playing each other on any given day? Number 21, Ohio State at number 14, Illinois on Saturday. Uh, the ESPN Basketball Power Index has Illinois favored at 68.6%. Do you see any chance for Ohio State to somehow win this game? Yeah, I do. I think Illinois has been an interesting team this season. Again, another team we've talked about here and there throughout uh, the past couple episodes. You know, Obviously loaded with talent with Ayo DeSanmu and Kofi Coburn. But Ohio State this season has just found ways to win. They haven't been the healthiest. I think their biggest acquisition this offseason was getting the transfer from Harvard, Seth Towns, who's had some injury issues uh, going back to his last few uh, last time with the Crimson and kind of getting adapted to the Ohio State way. He's been kind of a slow starter this season. But, uh, you know, everything else with Dwayne Washington and everything that the Buckeyes and Chris Holtman have done, they have found ways to win games. They did it twice against Rutgers, out-rebounding the Scarlet Knights, by a wide margin, both in Columbus and then going to the rack in Piscataway. They, they've just been impressive with how kind of determined they are and how impressive they are. And Illinois, meanwhile, is coming off a loss to Maryland at home. Maryland, another team that's been up and down to start the season, a couple of nice wins on the road with Wisconsin and Illinois now, but not exactly the stoutest team in the Big Ten. And so it's going to be competitive. I don't see Illinois um, pulling away with it. Uh, and I think Ohio State will make it competitive down to the down to the wire. For most teams, you could say this: that at home they have not been as good on the road. It's just different. It's just we'll see. We'll see what happens. The other game, number seven, Michigan at Minnesota. I got that right the other night that Michigan would win at home, but now they're on the road against number twenty-three, Minnesota. 
What are your thoughts? Um, I love this game just because any chance right now to watch Michigan play, I'm excited for. Um, Juwan Howard's squad came into the season kind of underrated a little bit. I think people didn't really know what to expect. People didn't know what to expect with them last year. In the first year under Juwan Howard, they overperformed. And I think they're overperforming by an even wider margin this year after kind of where they started in the rankings. But you look at the deconstruction on both ends of that Wisconsin team at the hands of the Wolverines. I mean, it was just incredible. Perfection on both ends. Franz Wagner, uh, younger brother of the Wizards, Mo Wagner, has just been incredibly impressive. Um, you know, speaking of the athletic, your great conversation with Matt, they had a, a great article on, on Franz and kind of what he's done to take his game to the next level in the offseason. During quarantine, he came down to D.C. to live with Mo. They set up a little gym. They got a basketball hoop, and they were kind of working out together. Franz has added a lot of muscle, and he's really been kind of the, the athletic article described him as the spine of this Michigan team. He doesn't do anything the best on the team, but he's well-rounded, and he's learning. He's excelling in his sophomore season. And that's been a big reason that Michigan has had the success they have, along with another Maryland connection, the Matha boy, Hunter Dickinson, 7-1 freshman center. He has been impressive. He has been really, really good down low for the Wolverines. And, you know, you talk about seven-footers, Liam Robbins, transfer into Minnesota. Richard Pitino has him playing great, along with their potential All-American guard, Former Pittsburgh Panther Marcus Carr. That's going to be a really great matchup down low with Robbins against Dickinson and then out wide with Wagner and the rest of those Minnesota guards against Carr. Uh, ESPN Basketball Power Index says Michigan has a 65.6% chance of winning. In my mind, I feel like that's kind of low going against a team that's three and four in the conference in Minnesota, no? Yeah, but one of those wins is against Iowa. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the thing about the Big Ten right now is it's a gauntlet. Every game is going to be a battle. Yeah. All right. It's going to be fun this weekend. Uh, I'm okay. looking forward to it as well. Speaking of, speaking of Texas Tech, they got Baylor now. That's yeah. going to be a defensive slugfest. I am unsure when you look at the, um, the number of games that have been played by some teams – and then not by others, how it's going to be possible to see these teams and be able to say who's better than the other. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to depend a lot on we're starting to see some of the reschedulings for the postponements. Um, you know, they're starting to trickle in a little bit. Still have not gotten the rescheduling of the Gonzaga-Baylor game. That's the one I'm looking at for the most, obviously, one versus yeah. two. yeah. But I think it is going to depend on if athletic directors, if the NCAA can kind of find slots for a lot of these games that have been postponed. Because if you notice, whenever the games are kind of put off, they say postponed. They don't necessarily say canceled, which I think is a positive. You understand why that kind of terminology is. And then kind of going back and seeing, is it actually going to be postponed? Are we actually going to play these games? How big is the gulf going to be between the team? I mean, are we going to be looking at seeding a team that's played 25 games versus a team that's played, you know, 15, or is it going to be 23 and 18? I think how big that golf is going to be, whether it's in Ohio State, to go back to college football as a reference, whether it's going to be an Ohio State team that's 7-0 and versus an Alabama team that's 12-0, and 
Obviously, if you multiply that by the uh, the right adjustment for the college basketball schedule length compared to college football, that's a pretty big gap. And I think that is going to be hard to compare. We'll see how big that gap actually ends up in Selection Sunday, which is about 60 days away, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, the bubble. The, the next bubble, right? We're going to see how this Indianapolis bubble goes. And uh, I am... There, there, there's going to need to be some sort of bubble for tournaments, for the, yeah. the conference tournaments, I think. Yeah. Leading in. And who knows? Maybe that's where we get some of these postponements. You know, if you have a, two low seeds that crash out early, maybe they decide, hey, can we get a second court and, you know, play some of these regular games that was postponed? I think that's a decent idea um, as long as, you know, you're in some sort of controlled environment and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have the same issues where you have in the NBA or the NFL when it comes to the players' union. So take yeah. advantage of that. And the thing is, technically, college basketball has always had a bubble for the conference championships, right? They go to yeah. a neutral site. That's one of the sites of the cities where the college or university plays, and that's where they hold their tournament. So they'll just they'll just do that again. So I feel like from that perspective, they have it covered. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rankings uh, shake out. Thank you, Bob. 50, 59 days until 59. Selection Sunday. So I was right on the dot. By the way, a happy birthday shout out to my father. I don't know if he's watching. Oh, how about that? Happy birthday, uh, Bo's father. Bo's dad. Mr. Bo. Mr. Bo Beck. Okay. All right. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate it. Uh, so in My Devil's Advocate, the story came out, swimswam.com was the first website to notice that the former Olympic gold medalist swimmer, Cleet Keller, or is it Clet Keller? Sorry, I should have figured out what his name is. I think it's Cleet Keller. Was one of the insurrectionists that stormed into the Capitol. And you see all of the screenshots on go to swimswam.com and you can see it of him in the rotunda. And in my mind, I would like to have a conversation with Mr. Keller. Maybe that's not quite going to bring any um, resolution to it. But when you think about, especially athletes and someone of a someone of stature, I'm not saying that they should do this. But if you think about things that are being taken away from athletes who have been a part of this uh, storming of the Capitol, who've been associated with views that are um, not just not... Um, if I'm looking for the words, not just something that we all 
think is wrong for you to have these views, but to, you know, to be a white supremacist, where does that come from? For Keller to not only do this, but also to be, in my mind, I would say purposefully wearing a Team USA jacket. As if to say, this logo represents USA in storming the Capitol. And that he's wearing the jacket on purpose And now we find out that, well, after he wore the jacket as a symbol of, yes, this is all about USA. Now he's deleted the social media accounts. He was an outspoken supporter of President Trump. That's not going to go away. Just because you delete your accounts doesn't mean that people are going to forget. They have the screenshots. He attended USC. Should USA have USC have to say something to denounce Keller? Does the Olympics need to say something to denounce Keller? He worked as a real estate agent for a company called uh, Hoff and Lee. They had to release a statement as Keller resigned. Quote, Hoff and Lee supports the right of free speech and the lawful protest, but we cannot condone actions that violate the rule of law. We pride ourselves and on our deeply held core values of family, loyalty, community, and stewardship. We continue to stand by these values, unquote. What do we do with a player who has an opposing view? How do we allow them to have some sort of function in society? Because it's not like he's around, he's here. And now that he is a part of this and granted this was you know for many people this was a straw that broke the camel's back but i wonder for someone like keller where do you go from here how can he go anywhere he also has a sister who was a 2004 olympian in kaylin keller In the past, he was critical of his fellow swimmer and Ryan Lochte. It's tough. And I certainly am not at a point where I'm saying I feel for Keller, but just wonder when you're someone as a high profile in any profession, but in this case, an athlete, as this is a sports embedding show, where can someone go from here? Or is it completely over? You're ostracized. You're just done. You go somewhere that is completely forgettable. And maybe you got to change your name. Although the 
you know, the very talented journalists out there can certainly find you one way or another, all the face re facial recognition software. It's hard to hide. But, you know, Swim Swam found you. And now maybe his life is over. And for some of us out there, maybe they're going to say, well, it should be over for what he did. But it's just something to think about as I bring up my devil's advocate section. Maybe it's about education. Maybe some people can go back, can realize the error in their ways, not to justify what they have done in any way. but having a conversation with them about what they did. All right, sports you don't care about. Do you care about soccer? I do. But then there's levels. There's, you got EPL, La Liga, MLS. How many of you know about the NWSL? The National Women's Soccer League. Well, they just had their draft yesterday. And Racing Louisville selected University of North Carolina defender Emily Fox. And unfortunately for Emily, it's not really the story, although I'm very happy for her. Congratulations. Dennis Rodman's daughter, Trinity Rodman, was the number two pick for the Washington Spirit. That's right. Washington, D.C., the Washington Spirit. So that's the headline. USU 20 forward Rodman is the daughter of former NBA star Dennis Rodman. Now, Fox, Emily Fox, who's taken number one, said, quote, I'm super excited. I know Louisville manager Christy Holly from the past when he was on the national team as an assistant. So talking with him, him telling me about the culture, everything that they have in store, the facilities, the girls on the team. I'm just so excited to be there and be part of the team. And that's wonderful. But then you have Robin, who's 18, was a finalist for U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year. She scored eight goals on that under-20 national team and six assists at the 2020 CONCACAF Under-20 Women's Championship last March. She was going to go to Washington State, but then with COVID, it took away everything. She said, quote, to even just be in the draft with my situation and my age is insane, but to be number two to an amazing team is out of this world. Like I couldn't ask for anything more. DC has just got an awesome program, awesome team. The coach, Ricky Burke, is amazing. I've talked to him a couple of times. I know he's a hard head coach, but I'm so excited to be his player and learn and get better. Now, that being said, she did say, you got to stop calling me Dennis Robbins' daughter. She said, quote, I'm excited to pave my own path and get better throughout this journey, unquote, unquote. Now, then I think about, okay, if you're playing for the NWSL and you get drafted, you can go back and get your college degree, right? Yeah, of course you can. Now, I don't know if you can do it on scholarship. So hopefully she does say, hey, I'm going ahead and go pro instead of going 
into college, as Bo talked about, there's going to be different eligibility uh, rules for players because of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But this isn't the same situation as a, a player in a high school like a Derek Whitehead who can go straight to the NBA or pick college. He's like, yeah, I'll go to NBA. I'll take that money and then I'll just finish college later. John Wall is finishing his degree at Kentucky on, online. A little bit of a different situation with Trinity Rodman, but I'm happy for her. Hope she can make the right decision. But I wonder for those of you out there that may critique and a high school player in the NBA to go pro. Well, why go pro? You should get that education. You should go to college first. Baseball, they don't necessarily do that. They go right to the minors or AAA or AA. Or if you're uh, Bryce Harper, you go right to the big leagues. And go and back it, to your degree. It's easier than ever to finish your education online now, too. It really is, Bo. That also is something that they keep uh, bringing that up. Online. Huh? You finishing say? my education online. You're finishing your degree online. I've been taking a some courses online. At Harvard, no less. And shout out to University of Maryland as well. So I'm taking multiple classes. I'm taking class at Maryland and Harvard. That's right. I can say I'm taking classes at Harvard. It's online, so it probably does not the same way as somebody else who's saying they're taking a class at Harvard. But I also worry about what that means for all of these institutions. How this, the pandemic is changing so much, as Matt Fortuna talked about how his job is going to change. Bo, how he's taking classes online now. There may not be a campus anymore. Maybe the building schools are going to have to sell off their buildings to to insta, to businesses because there's maybe no need for all of these uh, campus buildings and dorm rooms and et cetera. We'll see, but that's going off on a tangent. All right, Bo, you got to come on with me here. We got this day in sports. It's when it's Thursday. As I'll say, it's Wednesday. This Thursday, January 14th, with America at War, MLB Commissioner Kennesaw Landis sends President Franklin Roosevelt a letter asking advice about whether to cancel baseball for the coming season. It's ironic. FDA answers, FDR answers immediately. I honestly feel that it would be best for the country to keep baseball going. There will be fewer people unemployed and everybody will work longer hours and harder than ever before. And that means they ought to have a chance for recreation and for taking their minds off their work even more than before. I feel like you could put this today. President-elect Joe Biden could make the exact same statement if you were thinking about part of his inauguration speech to say sports should go on. We need sports. Now, I need Bo as well, but I have to also say that this is Bo's last official show now that he's going back to school. And I really appreciate him. Uh, we, we built a, a, a bond here. I've enjoyed having you on the show. I really uh, appreciate it. And you've got a very bright future ahead of you. And uh, I wish you the best. 
And off of this show, if I can help you with any connections, as I do know Matt Fortuna and David Aldrich and a bunch of other people, not that any of them have said, yeah, I'm going to help Ben Bobek. But if there's any way that I can help you in the future, I will definitely do that, especially because you're a WPTS. You will officially be a WPTS alum soon, as I am. So, Sorry to think thank about. you very much for everything. Hey, I yeah. appreciate it. It's been a it's been a heck of a ride. And who knows, maybe maybe you won't be able to get rid of me that easily. I don't want to get rid of you. I want you to stay, but I want you to finish your education as we were talking about how these uh, schools are all online and this and that's happening. We don't know what the future holds, but you've got a bright future in front of you and hopefully this won't be the end. Thanks, Jamoka. Thank you. All right. That's how I want to end the show. Uh, saying a thank you to Ben Bobek. And now, you know, as he's known as Bo, he needs to uh, basically go down to the trademark office and find some way to trademark Bo with something because I can't imagine you can get Bo knows football. So you got to the other Bo knows football. I'm just, I'm just trying to get I'm just trying to get my Twitter handle first. Yeah, <laughs> let's try that. Let's try that. I want to thank Matt Fortuna of the Athletic the national college football writer that he is for joining me on the show. You can also check out his podcast, Trent Shamrock, on everything Notre Dame. I appreciate him coming on. All of you that were watching the live stream, thank you very much as well for joining us on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook, whatever platform you are watching. Of course, those podcast li listeners, I really appreciate it as well. I'm talking so much, I need some water here. Uh, I need some water. Uh, I'm going to get some right after the show. Uh, as always, the answers to all of your questions is money. And hopefully, if you're making the smart bet, you're making some money. That's what we're here for. Sports and betting. You know what I'm going to say, everybody.